Okay, let's begin with Pasha's Va'era, Tafshin Pei Gimel, and we start with a thought from the Avodas Yisrael, who we have not really uh, had anything from him in the past, the Kajnitzer Magid, right, uh, one of the uh, great students named after the Baal Shem Tov, Rabbi Yisrael uh, Hopstein, Rabbi Yisrael Mikajnitz, uh, uh, the Talmud of the Magid of Mizrich, the Talmud of the Nomali Melech, um, and he comments here, in the Sefer Avodas Yisrael. Va'era el Avram el Yisrael el Yaakov bekel Shakai on the first pasuk of the parsha. Hashem says to Moshe right after um, Moshe Rabbeinu complained to Hakadosh Baruch Hu at the end of last week's parsha. Moshe says, "I told you, I told you it would get worse. I told you that I didn't want to go, and it just got worse." Heira meaz basi el par lo daber b'shmecha heira l'amazeh v'atzalu itzal desamecha. You didn't save them, and Hashem gets a little upset at Moshe Rabbeinu. Atasira, you'll see. You'll see, but the Chazal say, Atasira, you'll see now, but you won't see then. Right? You won't see then in the future, all the way at the end. And Hashem says now, in this week's parsha, by Dabra Elokim Moshe, Hashem speaks to Moshe and says, I appeared to Avram Yisrael and Yaakov, Bekel Shakai, Ushmi Hashem, Lonadati Lohem. I appeared to Avram Yisrael and Yaakov with the name of Shakai, that shame of Hashem, and the Shmi of Yudke Vavke, Hashem, Lonodati Lohem. Rashi already picks up on this. What does that mean? Bekel Shakai, Hiftachtim Havtachos. Uvakulan Amarti Lahem Anikel Shakai. I promised all of them, and, and in all the Lashonos of the promises that I made to them, I used the name Shakai. Ushmi Hashem lo nadati lahem. Lohodati inksivkan elolo lo nodati. Says Rashi. What does this refer to? Lonikarti lohem bemidas amitas sheli. Bemida amitas sheli. I didn't fulfill my promises that I made them. Yudke Vavke says Rashi is a reference to fulfilling promises, and I didn't fulfill promises. I promised I'm going to bring all their descendants to Eretz Yisrael and bring them out of uh, Mitzrayim first, and I haven't done that. So that's Rashi. But the Kajan Sermagid, Avodas Yisrael, picks up on the specific name Shakai, which Rashi doesn't focus on. He just says that that name was used to the Avos in the Promises. But we know the Gemara tells us in Masechah's Chagiga what the name Shakai is referring to. Vinei Harav Eben Ezra, Hitzmiel Sheb Shakai. The Eben Ezra, he already quotes, this one line in the Eben Ezra, already is metame on Shakai, because Shakai is a reference to Maisabracious, where Shakai, the Gemara says, Sha'amar Dai. Right? Hashem said to the world, enough. Hashem creates the world and says, okay, this is the world. It's enough. So, ask the Ebenezer, what does that have to do with continuous life experiences? <laughs> Sorry, I have a little cold. Uh, says the Avodas Yisrael, V'chi b'shul pamachas madahavahave, Yikari shem habori yisbarach lo'olam v'ed b'shem shakai. Forevermore, I don't understand, in general. How could Hashem still have the name shakai? Sha'amar lo'olam dai. Didn't that happen once in history? Once in history, Hashem created the world and created laws and physics and nature and says, die, okay, this is enough. So wh- what is the continuous name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that it still has meaning? Right? Hashem is the Bore. He was the Bore. Right? Shamar Olam dies in the past. But he says, as many might be thinking, Hashem is not only the Bara, but he's the Bore. Why? As Davan HaMelech says, Hashem is 
Hashem is b'chadesh b'chol yom tamid. Every second, Hashem is willing the world to continue to exist. Hashem breathes life into the world every moment. So Hashem is constantly the bore. We say it every day. B'chadesh b'chol yom tamid. Hashem is b'chadesh every second. There's even a, the, some of Farshim talk about how every Shabbos is what gives the power to the rest of the week to continue. Without a Shabbos, we, we you know, the world would have continued the following week, but Hashem is constantly uh, pushing the motor. And says the Avodas Yisrael, so every moment in history you need that Shakai. Because Shakai, he says, Kaviyachal, is the power of Hashem that limits Hashem's power into the perfect order that we see in the world. As if Hashem has this amazing creative power and it would just explode. It would overflow and the world wouldn't be able to handle it. It's because of the power that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has. And the other power, so to speak, it's all names of Hashem. It's all aspects of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which we can't really understand. But the power of Shakai, Shamal Olam Dai, is that constantly Hashem is, is imbuing the world with power but the Shakai is keeping it in check, so to speak, where it's supposed to be, not overflowing. And we constantly then need the limiting. It's not limiting in the sense Hashem is limited. It's the, it's the power of HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself to have an orderly creation and not to overflow with what he, we know he could do. So really nature and the world that we see is a function of Shakai. Hashem's awesome power and then Shakai coupled with Hashem's awesome power creates the world. Nature is a function of Shakai. Kasher I've written about this in the past. Let's say Hashem wants to change the rules, though. Hashem wants to get involved and maybe to have what the Ramban calls a nace. Right? That He wants to change the sh- what's normally shakai, but to change the rules a little bit. So there you need Shem Yudkei Vavke. Because that's Hayahoveh V'yiyah. And Hashem can get involved and change things in a way whenever He wants. And He can change it. So for example, naturally, what did Hashem promise to Avram Avinu? 400 years. Arba Meoshana. Your nation will be in a strange land. So we say, oh, it starts from Leidas Yitzchak, but according to Chazal, no, because we work so harshly there, so it was shortened to 210, to redo. If it was just Shakai, so to speak, the world continuing with the normal rules, that would be 400. Hashem got involved in a way that only HaKadosh Baruch Hu can interfere with His own creation, so to speak. And change the rules and make it down to 210. And that was not said to the Avos. 
Shmi Hashem lonadati lev. Shakai was said to the Avos, I created the world, and generally there weren't too many miracles, but now that's going to change. Starting with this week's parsha, there's Yudke Vavke. Now we have the Makos, now we have Kriyas Yamsuf, now we have a different world order. There's not going to be Shakai. Water's not always going to flow downstream, which Shakai is in control of. Water's not always going to be water, and frogs aren't only going to stay in the, in the, in the, in where they're supposed to be. And all the wild animals <coughs> that have their habitats are going to all of a sudden come to Mitzrayim. All of that is a function of Yudke Vavke and not Shakai. And that says Avodas Yisrael, it's like a, uh, introductory Pusik. The second Pashagan Va'era is saying what's been until now in history, and what's going to be for the next year or so. And that is what's embedded in this Pasik, the change from Shakai to Yudke Vavke. Okay. And then we get to the Gamakimosi as Brisi Itam. Well, I'm going to fulfill the promise to give them Eretz Kenan. I've heard the, the groans. There are many different words of tefillah. The Sefer Sharm B'Tefillah by Rav Pincus goes through ten. There's more, but he quotes ten and then adds on a few more. Ten Lashonos of, of, uh, of crying. Na'aka, Tsa'aka, Shav'a. All of these are different forms of Palel. So here you have a few of them. Na'akas B'nei Yisrael. Tell them, tell B'nei Yisrael that I'm going to take him out. I'm going to take him out. And of course, we have here the four Lashonos of Geula that we talk about the Lel Seder, and then we have Dalad Kosos Kinegdam. Uh, the Yerushalmi, the beginning of the 10th parak of Psachim, uh, quotes this idea of why there are four Kosos on Pesach, and we have a number of different opinions there in the Yerushalmi. Interesting, it's not in the Bavli. The Bavli does not tell us um, any of the parallels, but the Yerushalmi does. Arba Kosos Pesach, Yochanan, source number two, so a thought that we've seen others say, that Itziv says this and others say it also, but we'll see it this year through the eyes of the Torah Tamima. Rav Baruch HaLevi Epstein. Says the Torah Tamima, if you read closely, the Yerushalmi does not say that there are four Lashonos of Geula, which would mean there are four synonyms. Because after all, the Torah doesn't use synonyms, and why would the Torah repeat it four times? If it's just four Lashonos of the same idea, so why would we have to know that? So says the Torah to me, no, look closely at the Yerushalmi, and we'll understand that it's not four Lashonos of Geula. But what's the language of the Yerushalmi? Four Geulos. Four Geulos. Which means four stages of Geula. And he goes through them. He goes through them. V'hanach ro'eh. On the right side. The Yerushalmi doesn't say Lashonos Geulos. This is very Meduyak. That it's four stages of Geulah. <coughs> if it's just four Lashonos, why do we have four cups of wine? Inyan geula echadu. It's one geula. Im lashon achas. Im arba. The eser lashonos. Doesn't matter how many times it's said. If it's talking about the same geula. So says the Torah Tamima. Yan ki kishenayin yafen nimsa dalad inyanim shonim bedalad mamar elus. Really four stages. 
four stages of the Geula that happened to B'nai Yisrael. Asher kol prat uprat hu inyan shalem kishahula atzmo v'shaveh hoda'a miyuchedes. Every stage of Geula, excuse me, requires a separate hoda'a. We can't just say when Hashem finishes the job, thank you so much for everything. Every step of the way, and that's a musr for us, as we'll talk about Hashem in a minute. Keep ma'amar rishon vote seisi. What's the first lashon? Vote seisi eschem mitachas sivlos mitzrayim. What sevel? Backbreaking labor. She yotziem akadosh baruch mitachas sivlos mitzrayim klomar. She yokel aleim avodasam. The physical labor work stopped. That's vote seisi. Avol ein b'mashba she yechupshu b'kulam avodasam. But they won't be free. They, they'll, the, once the Makkah started, then the late, the hard backbreaking labor that the Shotrim used to force them to do, that stopped. But we weren't free yet. Hashem say, Hashem says, I will save you from your avoda. You won't have to do any service. Not just the backbreaking hard work, but you won't serve the Egyptians at all. You won't be their servants in any physical way. But wait, even after these two are removed, the physical backbreaking labor and any menial activities, but they're still socially, legally servants of Paro, even if there's no uh, physical reflection of that. Right, the first one, uh, I'm sorry, that was the, the, uh, the second level. And now, that's when we actually went out, that we were no longer legally. Like we spoke about last week, uh, that was the star Shichrur, and Paro sent us out. Okay, so now we've removed all the Ra, but we w- didn't still have the Asetov. We weren't Avdeh Hashem. With physical labor done, any labor done, no more Avdeh Paro. But now we're free. Finally, we became Avdeh Hashem. Every stage. Not only will I do this, but I will also do this. I'm going to do A, I'm going to do all these things for you. Then it's obvious, four cups of wine, because every stage is something to give hoda for. And I might add, whenever anyone goes through any stage of a Yeshua, whether it's personal, a personal Yeshua, somebody is ill, they get something, a stage of the back. Okay, I'm not saying you have to have a Sudas Hoda'ah yet until it's complete, but to give Hoda'ah Takodesh Baruch Hu on every, on every stage of our existence, every morning. We praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu that He gave us back our vision and He gave us back our ability to walk and He gave us back our ability to stand up and our ability to walk, right? And gives us koach every every stage. And even nationally, if Kla Yisrael, right, we are not at the Geulah Shlema yet. We're davening very hard for it. But 
to have more than 6 million Jews living in Eretz Yisrael, to have Kibbutz Goliath, what happened from the year 1850 till today. It's not Geula Shlema, but it is at a stage of Geula. We have to recognize. Geula Mitzrayim was also in stages. And why do we have Dalad Kosos? Because we have to give Hoda'a for every stage. And we have to recognize the gift of Kaddish Baruch Hu, not just to say, okay, where I want the, the whole thing. Okay, we do want the whole thing. And, the, and it's not going to be completed until the whole, the whole Geul is done. But Dalad Kosos teach us that nationally and personally, we have to recognize every stage that Hashem does something for us. And then he says, What about Vehevesi? Why isn't there a Kos Chamishi, a fifth Kos? And I'll just point this out too. Because that one's not eternal. The other four, there's no going back. We became Hashem. You can't undo that process. That we left backbreaking labor and avadim, and we left and we became Rachman. We might have backbreaking labor, but it's not going to be going back in the process. But the Hevesi El Haaretz, that that we have we have Galus. And even if we're in Eretz Yisrael, but we're, there are so many that are not, that we still don't have what we want fully in Eretz Yisrael. And that, of course, is the base Hamikdash. So that is why we don't have a fifth, but we do have Koshel Eliyahu, which keeps us, keeps us focused on the goal and what we are hoping for uh, every day. Okay. We continue. Go to Hashem says to Moshe and Aaron, by Yitzavim el Bnei Yisrael, v'yel paro melech Mitzrayim. Let's just translate the Pasuk. Hashem spoke to Moshe and to Aaron, and he commanded them, el Bnei Yisrael, v'yel paro melech Mitzrayim. Lohotzias Bnei Yisrael, me'eret Mitzrayim. So, what is, what is that meant to teach? Hashem spoke to Moshe and Aaron, and he commanded them to, what does el mean? Two, two B'nai Yisrael and two Paro? Tell them both? How are you supposed to, uh, translate, translate that? So Rashi quotes, maybe it means Al. Tzivam Aleihem Lahaniga Benachas Lisbosam. There's not a parallel, right? Tzivam Aleihem Lahaniga Benachas Lisbosam. Hashem commanded Moshe about each of them. He commanded El B'nai Yisrael, commanded Moshe and Aaron about B'nai Yisrael. Tzivam Aleihem Lahaniga Benachas Lisbosam. Take care of them. Have patience. So he commanded Moshe how to deal with them and how to deal with Paro. Okay, and then he quotes another shot. But but it's a Pasuk they have to add in a lot of words to because what does it mean? He told them something about B'nai Yisrael and something about Paro. The word El usually means two. Like they're supposed to tell B'nai Yisrael and Paro. But then it says, Lahoti is B'nai Yisrael, Meir Yisrael. So... Like freeing, freeing B'nai Yisrael, that only applies to Paro, not to B'nai Yisrael, until we have the Meshachachma. And the Meshachachma, 
I don't know if he thought of the shot of the Pasuk first and then put it into the Yerushalmi, or he first thought of the Yerushalmi and then thought of the shot of the Pasuk. I don't know. But either way, this is a, this is a, um, a Meshachachma. The Meshachachma, well, first let's quote a Yerushalmi. There is a Yerushalmi in Rosh Hashanah. He quotes it in the bottom of the first column. Yerushalmi says, Vayitzavem el Bnei Yisrael, on this Pasuk. What does it mean by Yitzhavim of B'nai Yisrael? What did he command B'nai Yisrael? What did Hashem tell Moshe to tell us about right now? Al-Parsha Shiluach Avadim. The Parsha of setting slaves free. Which is somewhat strange. Why do we need that that section of mitzvahs right now? We don't have too many mitzvahs. What do we have? Brismila and Karan Pesach we don't even have now. What do we have? Teach them about Shiluach Avadim. Surah Chayish Mulevis has a whole mamar about this. I think we did that about a decade ago or so, where he spoke about it's hard to free slaves. It's hard. So Hashem wants to command it at a time when we are going free. And it's telling us, remember this feeling. Remember this feeling, what it's like to be a servant and to be freed. So, Shiluach Havadim. That's why he sent it to, he's, he commanded it to us then. Okay, that's one pshat. But says the Meshachachma, maybe there's another idea. A very different and creative idea. Yitachain, says the Meshachachim, it's possible. Possible. Kigam ha'yu be'az be'mitzrayim ha'yigdole ha'uma asher ha'yusar menechbadim efratim. Even amongst the Jewish people, yes, it was terrible for most of the Shvatim. But there were some Shvatim that were not being subjugated, as we know. Ve'heim ha'yu mishadim esbrei Yisrael avadim. Maybe there were some Jews that were aristocrats and nobles in Mitzrayim, and they had other Jews as their own servants. Shemachra Mitzrayim lamb. Maybe the Mitzrayim sold other Jews to these rich nobles. The three Shvatim, we know of one, but he says maybe there were three Shvatim that weren't in the Shibud. Ruvain, Shimon, and Levi. Why those three? Levi was not in the Shibud, as we know, Moshe and Aaron walked in and out. Levi didn't go through the Shibud, they didn't have a chalik in Eretz Yisrael. Ruvain got on the east side of the Jordan. The Shimon is Kayem Alav, and Shimon we know didn't have a separate portion. He was spread around in Yehuda. Suggest the Meshachachma. Ruvain, Shimon, and Levi, they had free people. They had servants that they bought from the Egyptians. When you tell Pyro to free the slaves, tell the Jews also. Tell the Jews also to free their servants. Nobody's going to be a servant to anybody else. Avadaihem. Velo avadim la avadim. That's the Pasik. Hashem says to Moshe and Aaron to tell the Jews and to Paro. Lahosius b'nei Yisrael me'eres b'srayim. No more slaves. Lachet tziv Hashem yisparach shem b'nei Yisrael gam Paro. Yotziyus b'nei Yisrael me'ashibud. Lachet tzamach lazei yichos ha-shlosh ha-shvatim. That's why, amazingly, What's the very next Pasuk? We go through the Yichos of Ruvishim and Alevi. So Rashi says, oh, we want to talk about Moshe and Aaron, so we have to give the background. We have to give the background. The whole, up, up until where it is. Why can't you just say Levi? What do you have to have Ruben and Shimon for? Because you want to just start from the beginning? So you don't have to start from the beginning. You're not giving the rest of the Shvatim, so just say Shem and Levi. No. 
Why is it here? Says the Shmeshachachma. For who are in Moshe? Asher Omar Hashem hotzias beizom yes b'zayim al tzivosam shi yukal mishpacha v'shevet savab b'fnei atzmo v'leishtabli yisrael zelazeh and that's the pshat of the Yerushalmi. Not that they commanded them shiluach avadim. They told them about the parsha of shiluach avadim. He told them to free their slaves. Now she yishalchu avdeim yisrael she shibdu tachas yadam kemoshe kasafti. Number one, and then he has another pshat. V'yitachin lomar in the second column now. So he has two yitachins. I don't know how many psukin the Meshachachma has two yitachins pshatim. V'yitachin lomar. B'da'as ha-medrash naso. Sheshlosha shvatim elu. Why were these three shvatim? These three shvatim um, designated. Hidhigu srarabim mitzrayim lefichach nesyachsu kan. Apitam rabim mechilto bishvaldal advarim nigalu. We know the Medrash tells us that B'nei Yisrael were zocheh. We spoke about this last week. Tegula b'kosh loshinu shma and l'shona and arayis and l'shon hara v'yimisuyanim l'goy v'chzigu asman l'gerim. They were different. They were subjugated. But what made them survive? What helped them survive? Their hope for Geula. Their promise that they got from Mesorah, from their parents and grandparents. Pakot pakadetzi. There's going to come a time which is all a fulfillment of the promise from Avram Avinu. And they knew that. And they knew there was going to come a time. And that kept them separate. Because they knew they were going to go to Eretz Yisrael. But says the Meshachachma, these three Shvatim weren't going to get a chilek in Eretz Yisrael. So they wouldn't have had that hope. Oh, I can't wait to go. Okay, I have a problem with Ruben and God a little bit, but, but I can't, what am I going to do? HaKadosh Baruch didn't want them to be amongst the Mitzrayim because they weren't subjugated, right? But being there in that situation without the hope of leaving, that would have been too much. If they would be Meshubad, HaKadosh Baruch Hu had it. He was pulling the strings, the divine strings, that these three Shvatim shouldn't be in the Shibud because if they were in the Shibud. Being in the Shibud without hope of Geula is a, is a death sentence for for that part of the nation. And therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu had it, that they wouldn't be part, the Shvatim that would not be getting a Okay, just in brackets, got to work out. Ruvain is Eber Yardim, but God is also Eber Yardim. Maybe Menashe will be saved by the other half, but a little Sarachian. Okay, let's continue. Says the Gemara. So let's say something very well known, but, you know, it's something to, um, something to review. <coughs> After we have the lineage listed again, so we know we have the repeat. Well, right before the lineage, let's just do the two psukim. Right before the lineage, Vaidabar Hashem al Moshe Aaron. And then we have right after the lineage, Pasach Havav, Hu Aaron Moshe, Asher Amar Hashem Lemo, Siyos Beisom, Esmesayim al Tzivosom. And Rashi said it's a repeat of the Pasach because we took a little turn. We took a little um, detour to say the lineage, so we repeat who Aaron and Moshe. But Rashi picks up, shame the Medrash, so first it said Moshe and Aaron before the lineage is listed, and then it says Aaron and Moshe. Why the order is switched? So says Rashi, Heim, who Moshe and Aaron, Aaron and Moshe, they are Shavin. Shkulin Ke'echad. 
So shkul and keachad might mean they are one. They are weighed as one. So that's not the pashup shot, meaning they are two halves. They're two halves. We spoke about this a number of years ago, where Salvechik had an idea that Aaron and Moshe represented two types of leadership. Two types of leadership. A Rebbe and a Rav. Like that. And that uh, maybe at Shkul Ke'echad, it's together. But the Pshat that most say is that Shkul Ke'echad means they were, they were equal. They were equal. And the question that's asked by all the Ba'ali Musar is, what do you mean they were equal? Moshe Rabbeinu, Lokamba Yisrael Kamosha O, Naviyum Abides Tmunaso, Nobody can be like Moshe Rabbeinu. What do you mean? Right? The punch took him to the end of Baloscha. In Yed, source number four. In Yed of Yachab, Amar Leves Vaden, Lokein Avdi Moshe, Bechol Beisi Nehmanu, Peo Peo Daber Bo. So in the, in the, in the Likut, Lesitcha Elyon, he quotes that in terms of Nevuah, we can't be like Moshe Rabbeinu. That's true. That's the Animamin. But, the Rambam himself, who wrote that Animamin, who wrote that Yisod, that you can't be like Moshe, on his kever, it says, be Moshe and Moshe, lo come Moshe. So, what, well, we're gonna undermine his belief, you know, on his kever? No, chas v'shalom. But what does it mean? It means like this. It means in terms of potential. In terms of potential, be Moshe and Moshe. I'm sorry. In terms of potential, who Aaron, who Moshe, who Moshe the Aaron, right? They are equal and they are both connected to each other. Says Chazal, We can't be looking at anybody else. The Rambam himself in Hilchas Shuva says, when he talks about Bechir Chavshis, he says, every person can be as great as, which biblical figure does he pick? Moshe Rabbeinu. We could be as great as Moshe Rabbeinu in terms of our potential, in terms of not being like Moshe, but being the greatest me that we could be. Moshe Rabbeinu fulfilled his potential. There's a Zohar, I think, that, that even some of, some of the greats came close, but we could try to come close. Right? We know there are four people in Tanakh that Hashem called twice by their name. This is the third, well, last week we had the third one already. The fourth one is in Navi. Right? We had Avram, Avraham, Yaakov, Yaakov, Moshe, Moshe last week, and Shmuel, Shmuel. So if you look in the, the Zohar uh, points out that if you look at the Pasuk at the end of Vayera, Avram, Avraham, and the Pasuk in Vayigash, Yaakov, Yaakov, in the Chumash there's a little line between the two names. There's a kav between the two names of Avram and Avraham and Yaakov and Yaakov. And if you look in last week's parsha of Moshe, Moshe, there's no line. There's no line. The Zohar says, what, what is that alluding to? The two names are the potential and the actuality. Avram, Avram Avinu reached Kimat's perfection. Kimat, but there was a little thin line in between. And Yaakov also. The goal of our life is to make the line as little as possible, as thin as possible, so that... After 120 years, when we see the split-screen TV, and on half of it we see what we could have done in life, and on the other side we see what we did in life, those two will be mirror images of each other, or at least as close as can be. Moshe Rabbeinu has no line between his names, because he reached that ultimate perfection in terms of potential. But the Rambam says, we could all be like Moshe Rabbeinu. We could all reach our potential, and that's Aaron HaKohen reached his potential. Shaloshina. 
And that's who Moshe, Aaron, Aaron, and Moshe. And we can't look to anybody else about what they're doing. And he gives a mushal now in source four. A tailor made two suits for two men. One of them was very tall. One of them was very short. So you go into the store. Is the short guy going to say, I want that suit? That suit's going to be a joke. It's going to, you're going to have the legs on the floor. And the tall guy's going to say, I want that, I want that uh, short suit. He's going to look like a clown. We have to, we have to wear the suit that, that fits us. We have to wear the suit that fits us. Hanimshal. We all have a job to do in this world. We could do so much. We have to reach for the stars, but we have to recognize it's what, it's what we need to do. It's not what anybody else tells us or what we, we want to look at, at somebody else's, uh, Right? We don't look at somebody else's prescriptions or somebody else's uh, anything else. Suit, suit size. We have to just look within ourselves and see what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants and expects of us. So we could talk a whole sheer about potential, but we will leave that for now. Let's go to, again, it's still within the year of Chaim Kedievsky, so I thought we'll look, we'll look at the time of Tukra. But here he quotes his father, the stipler. Probably the most well-known stipler in the stipler. So we did the Birchas Peretz years ago, more than a decade ago in this, these shiurim. But we'll do it again because this time we'll see it through the words of his son, which is Kimat. I don't know which Sefer came out first, but it could be that one got it from the other one. But here the time of the Krah of Chaim Kadievsky quotes his father about the frogs. Right, we know the Pasuk tells us as we have the first uh, seven or so makos in this week's Parsha, Maka number two is frogs. Fatal Hatsvardeya. And the Pasik formulates it as the frog. The frog went up. The beginning of Perek Ches. Moshe, tell Aaron, right, Moshe can't do it. Hakaras Hatov. Take your, take your staff. And let the frogs come up. And Aaron uh, sticks out his, the staff. Fatal Hatsvardeya. The frog came out and covered Egypt. So you read the Pasuk, it has like one humongous frog that covered Egypt. Rashi, it was one frog. And they kept hitting it. And it just kept you know, splitting. Zeo Midrasha, that's the Medrash. And the Pshat is, that just means, it means frogs. You get to use a singular Lashon for frogs. So uh, the disciple asked the Kasha. I don't understand. Every time they hit the frog, they see it multiplied, and it split and it became more. So just stop hitting the frog. Just stop hitting the frog. And, you know, you'll, you won't have any more frogs in Mitzrayim. You brought it on yourself. Logic would dictate Stop hitting the frog. But they didn't. And they couldn't. Because when a person is angry, because they're out of control. And when somebody's out of control, they just do things that are irrational, that don't make sense. They all are having a bad case of road rage. 
Uma midas kaso meres. Rachman alitzlan. Rachman alitzlan. Right? How, how, how calm we have to try to force ourselves to be in those situations. Avalma midas hakaso meres. Anger tells us adaraba. Bikiva shemosifa lahat is. What does anger tell us? It's split again. I'm going to really smash it. I have to take more revenge. I have to hit it even harder. And the more it split, the more I got angry. And it didn't stop. Until the whole land was covered. If somebody makes me angry and I just let it slide, <coughs> as the Gemara says, I take it, it takes two to fight. And therefore, if somebody just doesn't react and doesn't uh, respond, then nothing's going to happen. It's all going to calm down. Whatever, it's going to hurt. But if it continues, if we answer, how often do we see anger when somebody is out of control? A child goes to their room, they're very angry, they throw their clothes on the floor. They're going to have to clean it up in five minutes. doesn't make sense, but it's irrational. And that's what we learned from the frogs, because when we're angry, we're out of control. Right? The Gemara tells us, Somebody is angry, it's like they're, they're worshipping idolatry. So it doesn't mean that Yehorik Valyavar for idolatry, but it's telling us something. Because when somebody is angry, right, our life has to be with HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the center. And when we're angry, we are in the center. When we're frustrated about something, when we think it's about me, it's very hard. But the Torah asks us for it. Right, the Rambam tells us, you remember, from Ilchaz Deus, that we have to try to have the Shvil Azov, the middle path. In everything, we have to have the middle path. Can't give away too much money, can't give away too little money. Can't be too nice, it can't be too mean. It can't be, we have to have the middle path, except for two Midos. Gaiva and Kas. Arrogance and anger. Those two, the Rambam tells us, we have to go to an extreme. And if we want to, we think, um, a child or a neighbor, you know, knee or a student needs to see angry, to teach them, we have to feign anger on the outside. I've never, I don't know, maybe you're able to do that, but uh, that is almost impossible. To pretend you're angry on the outside, but not being angry. And inside, having Shalvas, Hanefesh, calm, <laughs> relaxed, only on the outside. Only on the outside I'm angry. Right, to use the chinuch, if I act angry, I'm going to, even if I wasn't angry beforehand, that's going to even get me angry. But we have to do what we can to calm that because we learn from here. The next time somebody gets angry, somebody just say frogs. Frogs. Somebody says frogs, that'll stop it. Okay, moving right along. Moving right along. Says the um, Ramban. So this Ramban we did a number of years ago, but it's a Ramban that we have to repeat. Um, we'll see if there's time. You know, let's, yeah, let's start. We'll have time. The Ramban tells us the line that's dealt with by the Rishon of Aniak Paro. Right? I will harden Paro's heart. 
Right, Perak here. It says it a number of times, but a little later on, Pasagimel, the Torah tells us that Paro's heart is going to be, where is it, uh, going to be hardened. And the question that the Rambam and the Ramban and all the Rishonim deal with is, isn't that removing Bechira? What do you mean I'm going to harden his heart? You know, what does that mean? It's a question that can be asked on Pesukim in this week's parasha, on next week's parasha, right? What does it mean that I'm going to harden his heart? Towards the end of the Makos, we get to the hardening of the heart. So the Rabban, again, just do this quickly to remember the two ideas that the Rabban says. It says the Rabban, Ani Akshaz Leif Paro, in the middle. Right? What did he do wrong? They're both true. Unusual. The Ramban quote two opinions and they say they're both true. And this is from the Rambam. Somebody sometimes does such evil things. Part of the Onesh is that they lose, they lose the ability to see clearly and the ability to do tshuva. Not the ability to do tshuva 100%. Darke tshuva. It's not going to be easy for you. Tshuva needs siyata deshmaya. To be able to change a midah, we need divine help. This person will not have any divine help. And even if naturally, you might say that this is even leveling the playing field. Even if naturally, you should do tshuva by now after what you see, I'm not going to let you see so clearly. Again, there are even Risham Gemur, Menashe, you know, does tshuva at the end of his life. Some sort of tshuva. But the Ramban says, it's part of the Onesh. Right, very evil, part of the Onish. Number two, Hashem didn't do it, the first five. First five. The problem is Hashem wanted Paro to send them out, not because, okay, get away from me already, I've had enough. He wants to send them out as a recognition that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in charge. And Hashem wants them out. He, Hashem wants Paro to send them out Lishma. And not just get off my back. So after five, Par would have just sent them out because of that. To save me. He wanted to send them out to stop the Makos, not to do Ratzon Hashem. Hashem hardened his heart so that ultimately when he sent them out, it was only because of Ratzon Hashem and not because of the hardening of the uh, not because of the, uh, just to get me out of the Makos, get them, get them off my back. Okay, there are other answers, but those are the two that the Ramban suggests. Let's get two more ideas. One more detail and one, and one larger idea. If you look at the Nachlas Tzvi, Nachlas Tzvi is a, uh, Misholem Gross, an Achron, a number of years ago, came out with a Sefer, so he notes that Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron were commanded the first couple of makas to take the mate, to, to perform the makos with the staff. Dam was done with the staff. Kinim was done with the staff. Dam, Svardeya, and Kinim were all done. Kach al the Nahar, and then that's the Svardeya. 
Peraches, Neteas Yatcha Bamatecha, Alana Aros, Vahalas Asfardeim, that's also Asfardeya, sorry, where's the Kinim? Pasuk Yudbeis. Neteas Matcha Vahaches Afar Aretz. Why only the first three and not the last seven? Why was the Mata only used for the first three? You know, put your stick to the sky and bring down the barad. Put your stick to the forest and bring the animals. See, quotes from the Zohar. That what was this mate? This mate was a special mate. What did it say on the mate? Yudke Vavke. It said Shem Hashem on this mate. And the miracles happened through the power of Shem Hashem. The Yeshlomar <coughs> suggests the Nachlas Svi, the Kiva Jachartuim Loratulaham in the Moshe Laron, Shikola Osos Elanasim and the Ekadish Parachu. By the first three Makos, the Chartumim didn't believe that it was happening from Hashem. We could do it too. We could do Dam. We could do Tzvardeya. But Hashem wanted Moshe Laron to show them it's really Hashem doing these Makos. They did it in a, in a kind of sleight of hand way. Rak Abra de Kishofe Mosim Zos. So Hashem says, take the matas, they know it's from Hashem. But once Kinim came along, that's Belokim. We can't create things that are so tiny. You don't need the Shem Hashem on the mata anymore. It's clear from the maka that it's Shem Hashem. So no more need for the mate with Shem Hashem because it's obvious. The mate is only from HaKadosh Baruch. The mate was just used for a purpose. But then the purpose wasn't needed anymore and therefore it was not needed. Okay, the last source you have is from um, Rabbi Sachs. It is safer on leadership. <laughs> and he talks about, again, just to summarize what he says, and feel free you can read it. Moshe Rabbeinu starts off the Parsha in a rut. It's the, it's probably the lowest point. Right? He just complained to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, And he said, Moshe, Moshe says to Hashem, Hashem, I told you, I didn't want to go. I begged you not to go. You forced me to go. I went and it got worse. See? And what did Hashem say? You're, you're not like the others. You're not like the others. What a failure so far. What a setback. What a fall. And by the end of the Parsha, Moshe seven makas through on his way to Geula, to Kriyas Yamsuf, to Maimon Arsinai, to Binyan Amishkan. Because leaders aren't people that don't fail. And don't fall. Leaders are people that fall and get up. Leaders are people that persevere through the challenges and the difficulties. Right? That's what makes Moshe Rabbeinu great. Not that he didn't fail and didn't fall. Right? Rabbi, Rabbi Sachs writes on the next, uh, gives examples from, from the world. He speaks about Lincoln and Churchill. Leaders are tested not by their successes, but by their failures. It can sometimes be easy to succeed. The conditions may be favorable. The great human beings are not those who never fail. They are those who survive failure, who keep on going, who refuse to be defeated, 
who never give up or give in. Right, and that is what we have to focus on as we read about the greatest leader in our history. There are heights you cannot climb without first having fallen. And he quotes the letter of uh, Rav Hutner. It's a letter about the uh, to a Talmud. Don't think that failing is a problem. The greatest amongst us, the Rav Hutner writes in that letter, who knows how many, and only Rav Hutner could say this, how many times the Chafetz Chaim failed in the area of Lashon Hara. How many nephilos he had. But he wrote the Chafetz Chaim. And he wrote the Shemir Salashin. It's not about not failing. It's about getting up and continuing because nobody's perfect. And that's what we recognize about Moshe Rabbeinu. Look at the beginning of Parshas Va'era, but then look at the rest of the Torah. Right? The rest of the Torah is catapulted to be the greatest leader that we ever had, the greatest Navi, but we learned tonight that we could be like him in our own way, in terms of fulfilling our own potential, in terms of fulfilling who we can be. Okay, we'll stop here, and we will continue as we get into these Parshios of Yisias Mitzrayim and, uh, and the Makkas.